0: Come on, let's pray around the Word of God. We love You, Lord. We thank You. Yes, again, for Your presence that we are enjoying. And Lord, we want to attend to Your Word. It's alive. It's full of power. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. You lead us. You you show us things. You reveal things from the Word. The written Word of God comes alive, becomes a Rema word in our spirit that we can attend to and apply to our lives for Your glory, Lord God. Help us. We thank You. These moments we have in Your presence and we thank You again. The power of the Word of God. Touching and moving our hearts towards you and your will. Thank you, Lord. Blessing every life here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise Him. Awesome. Have a seat. God bless you. Thank you, band. Thank you, Leah. Great uh, worship set of songs and great pants. I don't know if you noticed, but I just uh, loved Leah's colorful outfit. Looks fantastic. And um, again, welcome online, Uh, and yes, the sling, I'll get to that. Um, It relates to today's um, subject, which uh, I'm preaching about the positives of problems. And uh, there's a a little title screen, and um, I've got notes on this subject that I've had For years, literally, um, two or three messages that I've just been brewing on uh, and uh, it's come at a good time uh, just to share on it (laughs) at the moment because I've got some personal experience. Um, If you're a fan of alliteration, I've actually got another title that extrapolates the uh, issue a little more, the potential pitfalls, yet proclivity for positive possibilities and promising productivity of problems, pain and persecution. Um, and uh, did you like the Edward Munch uh, Homer painting there? That's the uh, takeoff of the famous Norwegian uh, painting, The Scream. I just thought Homer says it all there. Sometimes we, uh, life just feels um, uh, a little uh, too much and there's issues going on. Um, or, or simply we could just say... I'm just talking about how to deal with the annoying stuff of life, you know, that we all face. And that first title is saying it more simply, that it's basically just, you know, problems come, uh, but there's a way we can approach them and learn from them that can end up being a very positive outcome. Because we all have problems at different times, it's part of life, and uh, we all uh, experience problems pain of some kind at different times and of course persecution is an issue which I'll preach about later not today so much um, because that will come to anyone who lives strongly for Jesus in a world that has a set of values that are not in line with God's values that we read in the Bible sometimes diametrically opposed to um, uh, to them in the world that we live in today. And as Jesus said, as is quoted there, I don't know if that's too small um, to read, but that's a quote uh, from John sixteen thirty three, where Jesus says, in this world, you'll have trouble. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's the bad news. The good news is he says straight after, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And that's the key. If we do life with Jesus, it's always going to work out. Um, and so, uh, in fact, that word there, uh, the Greek word, for trouble, in this world you have trouble, that can be also translated tribulation, affliction, persecution, anguish, trials, sorrows and problems. And so this is part of life. Uh, And uh, we've got to um, uh, face it because um, it is part of life. And sometimes, you know, in the Christian world. Um, As much as we are blessed to give our lives to Christ and we're born again and we receive salvation and and the opportunity to be healed and have prayers answered, sometimes there's a little expectation or even some teaching that would lead us to think, I'll never have any problems. Uh, This is just going to be this awesome, cruisy, powerful ride all the way to heaven. And then of course, problems come and some people have their faith really shaken because they didn't really develop a theology for suffering and facing problems and it's like well it's not what I was expecting so we need to have a mature faith that of course embraces all God's goodness and promises and expectations of of the rich wonderful life that he has for us but part of that richness of life can be real tough issues at times so that's what we're looking at Um, and of course the issue is not whether you'll have problems but uh, how you deal with them, because they all come to us at different times. How, how will you respond to the problems or the issues, the troubles that we face? What kind of impact or influence will the problems have on us? Because, um, you know, for some people, they get really bent out of shape, even broken over prog- problematic circumstances that come their way. And sometimes the problems aren't even that bad but they've just got very poor coping strategies and it and it can really ruin them. And sometimes people, you know, in our society, you can develop a, a mindset where you are almost expecting problems because you see yourself as a victim. And this is a real issue. We're almost so that people, um, you know, kind of welcome the pain and the problem in and they feel a little dis. Comfort if they're not going through problems. It's almost like having an old friend knocking at the door and saying, "Oh, oh, there you are, pain. It's been a while. Life was going quite well, but I felt a little strange. But I'm, I'm glad you're home. I'm glad you're back." And pain comes in, and says, "Oh, great, yeah. I feel so welcome here. Let's have a cuppa, catch up, you know, and really fellowship together." And some people have this sort of subconscious inclination to entertain the pain and the problems you know and that's their their way of doing life but that's not for you all right that's not God's calling for you Uh, because we can be inspired and instructed by a whole set of other people that provide a great model people who have faced real serious issues crazy problems difficulties of all kinds and challenges in life even tragedy and yet they keep a smile on their face. They're able to still live a productive life and enjoy life and embrace life. And so what's the difference between those two groups of people? How can we be strong and resilient to cope with the storms of life and maybe not just even cope with the storms of life, but grow and improve and develop and benefit from the storms, the trials, the tribulations? Well, how can we do, how can we figure that out Uh, The answers as always are in the Bible And uh, I want to start with a passage that we actually studied not that long ago Because it's in the book of James We did our series on the book of James And if you missed that study series or you're new to the church Those workbooks I think are available still You could buy one and be blessed and go through it as a Bible study But if we look at James chapter 1 this may be familiar. Verse two to verse four, he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What a classic statement. For you know that your, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Wow. So, This doesn't tell us, just handle the problem, just suck it up, as they say, just survive through the storm. It says you actually can be glad. You can see that it's an opportunity for joy when you have some kind of trouble that you face. It can actually benefit you if you approach it with the right attitude. And so James has this revelation from God. He's got this crazy positive outlook on problems because he knew that without problems, there's no growth. In life, You know, you think about it, when things are going well, don't we have a tendency to just cruise, just to plateau off, especially in our spiritual life. You know, you can just find that you don't feel the need to pray and seek God as much because everything's just cool. Everything's fine and you're just content, but that contentment can easily lead to complacency. But on the other hand, problems have a way of stirring things up, don't they? They, they wake us up. Hopefully they stir us to, to reach out to God, to seek God, to, because we, we know he's the source of all the answers that we need. And so our, our prayer life gets you know, re-energised and we, we, we go hunting in the Word for answers and, and directions and promises. Oh God, help me. You know? and, and we start digging into the Word and we feel our need for him. So we seek him. And, and in the presence of God, we build relationship and we get closer to Him and hopefully become more like Him and, 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 and the, the, the presence and the power of God, and the, 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 the personality of Jesus grows in us, the Holy Spirit develops in us and that happens because the problem hopefully led us into the prayer closet and, and drove us closer to God. And I, honestly, the most godly people I've ever met are partly that way. Because of the problems they've faced and the way they've faced them, the way they used those problems to drive them towards God rather than drive them away from God. Some people, I've never understood people blaming God. I just think, just do the math, just think, just think like you're an ant, he's God. What gives you the brain power and pride to think that you know he's doing the wrong thing? That, or that he should be following you around like some fairy godfather character fixing your life up you know when you're making your decisions and then you're reaping the results of your decisions and life is just crazy and messy and then people expect God to be just you know hovering around trying to fix things up for us that's not how it works I've never had a problem with you know blaming God if things go bad I just think oh well that's that's life uh, and now I'm gonna reach out to God and ask for him to help me get through life. But I want to I encourage you, don't don't blame God as if he's setting things up. He's, he's not manipulating things in, in your world all the time, especially if they're designed to crush you and hurt you. And so godly people, as I said, they've faced problems and then they've just used those problems to go to God and then they've come out with a clean spirit, with a shine and a... Uh, uh, you know, like a, a Mr. Sheen on their on their spirit, you know? And the, and the people that I've met with, remember Mr. Sheen? Yeah. Who can sing the song? Afterwards, in the courtyard, not now. Yeah, I know. Um, and a uh, little tip, motorcyclists, and there's not enough of you, but when you get your motorcycle, Mr. Sheen on the rims will keep the tar spots off. So really, you know, a little free tip there. Aren't you glad you come to church? You learn hook, all kinds of things. Um, and... Uh, and so you know the people that have this shine on their spirit—it's—it's it's not often because of they've just got rosy circumstances. Often it's completely the opposite, but they've learned to ah, enjoy the sweet little things in life through all the pain and problems they've been uh, through. You know, so um, so we can grow in godliness, grow closer to God. But not only that, we can grow problems. Do us good in, in other personal growth areas Like problems can help us get creative with solutions yes. And they help us switch on that Problem-solving switch of, 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 of creativity To figure out answers And you can develop strength of character You know, what doesn't kill you Only makes you stronger, as they say And and you can actually grow in, in tenacity and, and persistence and patience So in the future... Some, some similar problem comes and it's no, no big deal because right. you've knocked that over before. You've, oh, you know, like David saying, hey, Goliath, I've, I've killed bears and lions. Let me at him. He, God had trained him for that moment. when he And so that can be your experience too. And you, you don't get thrown by a big issue because it's like, oh, well, I, I dealt with that. That's like kindergarten stuff, you know, and so we get stronger. And so problems are helpful. And, you know, this principle is seen in nature. So, in Arizona, in America, there's a scientific study called the Biosphere 2 Project. It's a domed microplanet, all isolated from normal nature and weather conditions, and it was created as a research tool for scientists to study Earth's living systems and uh, to play with farming techniques and innovation in a way that didn't harm the outside planet. So, um, but one of the most profound discoveries made by the scientists came as a complete surprise. Had nothing to do with a new way of farming or finding a cure for a disease. They grew trees inside the Biosphere 2 world, and they grew rapidly, more rapidly than they did outside of the dome, but they found that the trees fell over. And the scientists came to realise that there was a lack of wind In the biosphere 2 dome And it caused a deficiency of what they call stress wood And stress wood helps a tree position itself for optimal sun absorption So that's why, you know, you see trees leaning a certain way And it also helps them to grow strongly and more solidly And so without stress wood, a tree can grow quickly But it can't support itself fully and then it just falls over And so normal wear and tear and wind comes along and it it just collapses. So in other words, the trees need some stress, some opposition, some wind challenge in order to thrive in the long run. Isn't that fascinating? And that's how they grow and that's how we grow. There's a purpose to the Pressure and the pain and the problems that we face in life. And yes, I have personal experience of uh, facing pain and problems. So you may wonder why I had a sling a few weeks ago, then didn't, and now have one again. So I broke my arm in Bali, rescuing the boy from the shark. Uh, Oh no, wrestling the crocodile in the. uh, I can't remember now. Oh, that's right, falling into a fish pond. Right. I love how everyone just laughs at that It wasn't funny at the time But uh, yeah, middle of the night, in case you don't know We are at this lovely villa after we'd done some ministry Having a holiday and um, dark outdoor bathrooms All very groovy and weird levels Ah, boom, crack Um, And had surgery that day And uh, x-rays looked like it was good They'd put a steel plate in there um, but the pain wasn't going away So that was a month ago And after a couple of weeks I thought, man, I'm just being a wuss This is post-operative pain And I'm whinging And why did you agree so quickly with that, Frosty? Deacons, remove Oh, he's one of the Okay, that's not going to work um, So And in fact, I don't know if you noticed But today I sat on that chair With Ruth on my right Because last week I normally Stand there in worship, and Ruth's on my left. And Vic thought he saw me. What he thought he said later. He thought, "Oh, Chris has really been touched by the Lord because in the middle of worship he saw me go down like that. Oh, as if I oh, the power of the Holy Ghost. No, it was my exuberant worshiping wife. Oh, praise the Lord! Whack hit me in the arm. Oh, and it killed. And so I rang my physio mate, um, who I've known for years. Great motorbike." writing mate, and he said, yeah, three weeks after the operation, you shouldn't really be experiencing any pain. You should go and get another x-ray. He gives me a referral. The x-ray shows that the steel plate's broken. And he said... um, Okay, this is he texted me. Houston, we have a problem because you know in the in the medical system, I don't get to see the X ray. You know, you get the referral from him, and then they do the X ray and they only send it to him, and he gets a text. Houston, we have a problem. I'm like, oh yeah, and he says, sorry, I'm really busy. I'll call you later. So he finally tells me and shows me the X ray, and so but praise the Lord, he has a top Sydney orthopedic surgeon mate who said I'll see him quickly and redo the surgery. And the ortho guy said that um, the plate they used was too thin. And it wasn't the fact that I was riding a motorcycle two weeks after the operation. It had nothing to do with that. Praise the Lord. That's important that we get that, right? It was just normal torque movement in the arm. And it was wearing the plate down and it just snapped. And that's why I was in a world of pain. Because the bone's still broken, wobbling around and not attached. And, um, and even without the exuberant worshipping wife belting me, you know, it was in pain most of the time. So my challenge over the last few weeks is not to complain and to stay positive and productive and work and come into the office and, you know, and I'm, you know, just... Doing life, and I'm tempted to complain, and and oh, it was it's in a lot of pain. But I just thought, I just, the good news is I'm not as wishy as I thought I was because I just thought that was normal post-operative pain. What's wrong with me? Suck it up, come on, you know. Uh, so I was glad in a way. Oh yay yay! It's broken. There's a reason why there's pain, but um, it, it 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 really. It was good in a sense Because it caused me to press into God You know, I mean, I do pray You'd be pleased to know I I pray occasionally as a pastor That's not, you know it's part of the job brief Um, I even read the Bible Um, I, I know I know <laughs> it's amazing. It's, uh, it's it's you know it's it's quite a good combo, really. I I recommend it, especially if you're, if you're in my line of work. It is you know it's kind of part of as I said, part of the brief. But um but I was really pressing into the words, you know. And I'm reading through the Psalms at the moment. It's like oh God, this is a problem. And yet I'll praise you and through the pain and they're trying to kill me. It's like well it's not that bad. They're trying to kill me, but still I could relate a little to some of David's you know challenges, um. And so, um, you know, it was really good I just, you know, it was a good challenge Not to be a winger like an English cricketer um, Sorry, now not all of them Now not all of them, just the, just the captain and, and the coach, most of the spectators Actually most of the well-heeled members of Lords as well Anyway, anyway, but let's not dwell on that Praise the Lord. Hudson's in London at the moment and loving it because you can imagine someone saying to Hudson, "Oh, oh, the Australian cricket. He'll be ready for him. I'd just love to see a conversation in a pub or something with Hudson talking to a couple of English supporters, um, talking about the cricket and the whinging that's gone on." Um, So I've been very blessed, as I said, to to just. Oh, pressed into God. And then Christine and Harriet prayed for me the other day in the office. And then on Thursday, I think they prayed for me on the Wednesday... Thursday, I'm praying, God, I really... because So I got to see the ortho guy on the Wednesday and he said, right, I'm going to fast-track you. There's a real God thing, you know, there's long wait lists and all this stuff. And he said, I'll fast-track you, I'll squeeze you in because obviously you're in pain. I'll, I'll just be ready to go with a phone call one day to go to St Vincent's the next day. I said, oh, I'm ready for any time, I'm ready. And, and Thursday, I was praying, God, I'd really love to get a phone call today, you know. And I didn't all day. And I was just struggling with that... Did I say I've never blamed God for anything? Yes, I have, but I, but I could just sense that temptation, that little, you know, to be disappointed, just like, oh God, I really pray. But it was like seven o'clock at night and then the phone rang. And they said, oh, we're just confirming your appointment tomorrow. I'm like, I, I, she said, this is this the first you've heard of it? Yeah. Oh, I said, it's okay, I'll make it. Yep, bang. So Ruth me down, day surgery, bang, Friday, all done, dusted, and, and back home on Friday night. So praise the Lord, and uh, so... Praise God, yes. and motorcycles. Because if it wasn't for motorbikes, I would never have met Greg. Therefore, the author—it's all. Just so, we make sure we just, yeah, right, yeah, you like that. So, can we see that scripture again from James chapter one, verse two? He says, "Let your and troubles coming around and credit—it's an opportunity for you. Know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow." So my endurance, my ability to cope with a little bit of pain has grown through the test, the pain. So it's all good, as they say, yeah? And so um, with the right attitude, the trials, the trouble, the tribulation can actually be Beneficial and ultimately lead to an incredible blessing. Look at what James says a few verses later in that same chapter in verse 12. He says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Well, ultimately, that's that's really talking about being in glory in heaven, in God's presence. And that's, that's uh, talk about having a healthy long-term view of current problems. That's, you know, for every Christian, that's ultimately our goal. The worst of life, death even, can take you out, but it's just, you're going to step into glory. So as bad as it gets, it's not that bad. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we're, we're heading ultimately to heaven. And we're given the same encouragement in other parts in the Bible. For example, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.17 says... For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs the problems and will last forever. Isn't that awesome? So another key attitude to help deal with problems is keeping things in perspective, which those scriptures relate to. And for, you know, when they say, our oh, first world problems, that's a real issue for us in the first world that we really don't make too much of fuss of things that sometimes aren't that bad. But it can still get under your skin and really, you know, disturb and upset you. But it's really good to be able to step back and consider what's going on in other parts of the world or what other servants of God have gone through uh, over the years, particularly on the mission field. So I'm currently rereading uh, an autobiography of Hudson Taylor, the great... Uh, missionary to China, one of my all-time heroes. Uh, You know, you may know he arrived in China in the mid-1800s, middle of a civil war when he arrived there in Shanghai, just where the Goodings were in vastly more comfortable circumstances by the look of the, you know, the view of the hotel and the bund and it's all developed. Shanghai is amazing and modern and all that. But, um, they had uh, crazy stuff going on. He faced all kinds of dangers, uh, diseases, the death of his wife, tragically, uh, children, some, quite a few of his children died in infancy, difficulties of all kinds. And yet, in his classic, calm, understated way, he wrote this about the perspective and the, the, the use almost of problems. He says, Not infrequently, our God brings his people into difficulties on purpose that they may come to know him as they could not otherwise do. Then he reveals himself as a very present help in trouble and makes the heart glad indeed at each fresh revelation of the Father's faithfulness. So he was able to just have this perspective that when problems came, he would not complain, he would not blame God, he would just seek God in the midst of the pain and the problems and then God would lead him out and show him a way forward and the relationship with the Lord was stronger as a result. And, and I, in fact, I would love to encourage you to read biographies of missionaries. Uh Honestly, many of them are very cheap or free online, Kindle or some other online thing, because some of them are, you know, been written so long ago, they're in the public domain. They're, you know, And you don't have to be called to the mission field to be stirred by them, but the principles of the challenges that they face, the faith they had in God, the way they live for God, and it really connects well with what Eleanor preached so brilliantly about last week, being productive as a servant of God doing something in our lives for the Lord And you'll be stirred when you read some of these missionaries You think, oh God, you know, I I just want to live for you And and you don't necessarily have to sell up and move to China But in our own neighbourhood, our own circumstances We can live for God, you know And so if you didn't hear the message from last Sunday uh, You need to get it uh, on podcast or watch it on YouTube or Facebook So, um, as I touched on earlier Problems can be a catalyst for creative solutions and history has borne this out in some dramatic ways. Um, World War I saw, of course, terrible atrocities. Uh, millions were killed in action. Millions more died of disease. People were displaced from their homes, buildings, towns, blowing up, ruined, devastation all across Europe. But inventions and innovations were produced because of the war. And they ended up being a great blessing to the next generation of people in peacetime. For example, all these inventions came as a result of World War I. Gas masks, stainless steel, praise the Lord, zippers, daylight saving time, Kleenex tissues, blood banks, reconstructive plastic surgery, I haven't had my nose done yet. Sorry, it's only joking. Uh, changes in national boundaries in Europe that added support to the establishment of the nation of Israel. So there were countries that rejigged after World War I that then got on board with the Zionist movement to you know, get Israel uh, back in action. And get this, even Pilates. Joseph Pilates was a German circus performer and boxer living in England in World War I. Now, since he was considered an enemy alien, he was interred in a camp on the Isle of Man for three years. So he developed a regime for muscle strengthening through slow and precise movements, including exercises for the bedridden inmates or internees along with him. After the war, he moved to New York, opened an exercise studio and the rest is history. Pilates. Oh, and the iconic trench coat. What has been a fashion item for the last 100 years started out as a solution to the cold and miserable conditions in the trenches. So that was the Great War. They call it the war to end all wars, but sadly it wasn't to be because just 21 years later, we've got World War II. Hitler's troops causing more problems. But again... There's solutions and benefits. And, uh, you know, Hitler's troops quickly conquered Europe. They began to attack England with devastating bombing raids. But cometh the hour, cometh the man, Winston Churchill, elected Prime Minister just in time for the Battle of Britain, the famous air battle over Britain. And, of course, he became one of history's greatest examples of tenacity, of persistence, of being able to face problems head on and conquer them rather than crumbling under their weight. Because do you realise he had to not just stand up against Hitler and the Luftwaffe and the German army, but against many in his own parliament? Because there was a great deal of pressure on Churchill and his government for England to negotiate peace terms with Hitler. Because he had just gone right through Europe. It looked like, well, they're just going to take over England anyway. And so to many people in the British Parliament, it seemed like the only realistic solution that they would throw themselves on the mercy of Hitler. Imagine if they had. Imagine if they'd given up. Imagine if Churchill had said, we will not fight them on the beaches, we will surrender. But he didn't, did he? What did he say? We will fight them on the beaches. We will never surrender (laughs) <laughs> and he knew, he knew Hitler would never negotiate fairly He knew there was no mercy to throw yourself onto So he he called on England and her allies to stand fast, to be strong, to fight on And they were so close to losing You know, when you read and, uh, about the history of the Battle of Britain and the, the air raids and all that They had fake planes out of cardboard to make it look like they had more aeroplanes than they did And they're madly scrambling and running around there's incredible stories of prayer and Luftwaffe pilots saying that we were attacked by a squadron of planes and then there was no record on the British side of the squadron of planes going out at that time so they must have been some kind of angel spitfires or something and uh, you know and they held on and they saw the tide of the war turn and uh, it's just a great historical example of you know hanging in there being tenacious and strong and so You know, you're unlikely to be the Prime Minister of England anytime soon, and hopefully, you don't have to face an army. Uh, But the principle is the same that we can survive and beat the problem as long as we don't quit. As long as you breathe, there's hope, yeah? No matter what it is, how bad it is. And so, we can just keep the battle going and turn our. Dunkirk into D-Day so to speak yeah and and one more comment about Churchill you know in London um, there's uh, the original war cabinet rooms underground that they've kept since he met for years with his cabinet um, just as they were so after the war they closed them all up and then forgot about them for decades and then in the 70s They rediscovered them. I mean, people in the government knew about them, but no one in the public did. And then so in the 80s, they started uh, developing it as a museum because they found things exactly as they were left in 1945. They all walked out. They even found Churchill's cigar butt sitting in an ashtray and the chairs that he sat in, and the map room, just as it was. And you can go there today, and they've developed it now into the whole Churchill Museum. But I went there in the 90s, and I was so moved because I'd known about the you know, history of the war a little bit, and his life and all that. And I'll never forget one of the plaques that he had had made that's still there. And it's uh, you know just sitting on a desk, and it said, in this house, there is no depression we are not interested in the possibilities of defeat. They do not exist. Oh, man. Oh, I was just, I, I was so stirred when I saw that and read that and I've never forgotten it. Just That was like 20 plus years ago. I just thought, yes, you know, and, and that's the spirit of, of, of strength and positivity that sometimes you've got to have to beat the devil, or to knock that disease, or sickness, or enemy, or condition, or mental challenge, or whatever it might be, and uh, and so again, of course, our circumstances are very different, uh, but we can take inspiration from people like Churchill, yeah, like Hudson Taylor, like some of these champions of the faith who who you know fought battles and overcame. So we can live life well. So we can grow through the trial, through the test, so that we can you know what do they say you don't thank god for the problem but you but but in the problem you thank god you know we don't we don't necessarily consider that god's sending us all these problems but he allows the problems to come but in the middle of it we proclaim god's goodness and thank god and we stay on course with the mission that we have for life each one of us got a a path and a a plan that God's got for you. And of course, the enemy, the devil, circumstances, even ourselves and our sin wants to distract us, waylay us, knock us off from that pathway. It's like, uh, you know, when you watch the the kayakers in the Olympics and they've set up those courses and they've got these turbulent rapids and that's just representative of life, turbulence of life Uh, and the river's going down. So you can't go back and start again. You know, you can't just, oh, so I missed the first flag. Can I start again? It's like, you've got one chance, mate. This is your run. And that's where you are. You're in the middle of those rapids. But what do those paddlers do? They negotiate the rapids and still go on the course that's marked out for them. They don't just give up and throw their paddle. Oh, it's all very wet and washy here. I'm just <laughs> And just see them washed down. Oh, here's so, oh, this guy, he spent four years getting into this team and now he's just, you know, got a little nick from the paddle or a bit too splashy or he missed the flag and he's just throwing the paddle in the air and just watching there, crying his eyes out, he's bouncing down. The, you don't see that, do you? You see him working, paddling, and they go backwards and then they have to lean and do calisthenics to go all on. The, you know, the course, of, the thing I'm talking about, it's great to watch. And so, you know, so what I'm saying is don't just get washed downstream by the problems and the turbulence of life you keep your paddle strong and negotiate the rapids to get that course as we're told in Hebrews you know keep our eyes on Jesus who you know is the author and perfecter of our faith and so we we set our eyes on him and we complete the the the, the course that that God's got for us yeah and so um and then as we started i want to finish just by pointing to Jesus because You'll never get your mission discovered, let alone fulfilled, without looking to him. He's He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the way, the truth and the life. And of course, Jesus knows all about life and knows us and knows what's facing us, but he'll be there with us. So yes, we'll have trouble, as that verse says, but take heart, he's overcome the world and he's with you. Yeah. And so let's just walk with him and, uh, and be able to... Um, learn and grow through the problems that we face. Amen? Let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we look to you. I want to encourage you to just close our eyes, just bow your heads in prayer. If you're here today and you really don't know Jesus Christ personally, I want to encourage you to give your life to him. That's the essence of the Christian faith. It's not following a set of rules or being a nice person or owning a Bible or going to church. It's, it's all about a relationship that God invites us to, into through Jesus. Jesus came from heaven. He died on the cross in our place for our sins. And he's just waiting for us. The Bible says he's knocking on the door of our heart. And all you got to do is open that door up. So if you're here today and you need to give your life to Christ, maybe for the first time or maybe it's a recommitment, then pray a very simple prayer that surrenders your life to Him. Just pray, Lord, thank You for coming. Thank You for dying on the cross. Thank You for loving me. Thank You for what You've done to save me. Come into my life and help me to follow You all the days of my life. You pray a prayer like that, it'll change your life forever. And then of course we walk it out. And then we do have a Bible. And we do go to church and we do these things that help us with our relationship, but they're just the support of the essence, that walking, talking, sharing with the Lord Jesus Himself. And so Lord, I pray that each one of us, when we face trouble, we'll turn to You. We'll find creative solutions for the problems. We'll grow in strength. We'll not be beaten down by life's challenges. We will be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. We thank You, Lord God. You're building a strong people, strong in our minds, strong emotionally. We thank You, Lord God. Strong physically, overcoming whatever challenges come. We thank You, Lord God. Build us, strengthen us, even going through challenges. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Praise the Lord.